Goldthorpe is number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold in a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on the third. A perfect score, 10.0 for Nancy Cavanici, a perfect score. The first time I've never seen anyone get a over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt, sprinting ahead, winning by daylight and setting a world record. 9.68, the wind is okay. How easy was that? It is Off The Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you once again for another interview today and an exciting interview for you as we, for the very first time, can talk about softball. That is right, softball. We have member of Canada's bronze medal winning team from Tokyo 2020, Joey Lai, with us today. It's a great chat here, learning about her career, how she was involved in two different sports and uh, ultimately made the decision to pursue softball a little bit more and, and learning what it was like playing a sport for a large portion of the last decade that unfortunately wasn't on the Olympic program and then what it was like when it was returned for Tokyo, uh, the emotions and everything from competing at an Olympic Games and how hopeful everybody is, of course, that softball does make a return to the Olympic program as early, hopefully, as 2028. And some other great insight here into Joey about her medal, what she does with it, whether she's got some free stuff. You know I'm going to bring that up here, of course, on the line. And Colin, who unfortunately isn't with us on this interview today, will be happy with at least one of her answers when it comes to sporting teams and a bit of a conversation around that as well. So here's our chat with Canadian softball bronze medal winner, Joey Lai. I always get excited and off the podium when we can speak to an athlete from a sport that we have never covered before. And today is one of those days. We are going to learn more about softball today. One of my favorite sports at the Olympics. And I'm just saying this right now because I'm going to repeat this about 20 times in this interview. A sport that is robbed at the Olympics. It should be on the agenda still. We should be talking about it in three more years' time. We'll cover that today. But she was a member of Canada's bronze medal winning team at the Tokyo Olympics, Canada's first ever medal in softball. And I'm so excited to be able to learn more about that experience and everything else in between. Joey Lai is with me now. Joey, first of all, welcome to Off the Podium. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be the first ever softball player on your podcast here. So thank you very much for having me. We've got to start somewhere and we've got to start with the best, right? So it's that simple. We, we start at the top and then, then we can go to the, those others, you know, kind of we, we'll never compare to today, right? <laughs> well, let's set that standard. Yes, exactly. Because uh, in all seriousness, as I just said there in the intro, we, we talked about it a lot during our Tokyo coverage that we just cannot believe that after 12 years, 13 years, it, softball returns and then straight away it's taken away again. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Like, can we just spend an hour just calling this bullshit, please, Joey? Like softball should be part of the other and baseball too. Like why, why, why is this happening? We're, we're angry, aren't we? <laughs> yes, it, it is not the, the happiest topic in the softball world. And we were so honored to be able to play in Tokyo and to put our sport back on the Olympic stage for the first time since 2008. And 
for players like myself who have been a part of the national team for the past 12 years, essentially, since it was removed, uh, th this was a moment we never, we didn't know if it was ever going to be here. And um, just to, to know that it was a once in a lifetime opportunity and to have to keep our fingers crossed that the younger generation will, will have an opportunity uh, of their own. It's uh, a little disheartening, but we were so proud to have been able to perform the way that we did for our sport and for our country. Is it something that you've gotten used to when you are introduced that you are an Olympic bronze medalist? Do you, do you just like hearing people <laughs> say that over and over again? Olympic bronze medalist, Joey Lied. I can keep saying it if you want. Like it sounds oh got a nice ring to it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. I don't think I will ever get used to that. It, you know, it, it almost feels like it was a dream. Did, did it happen? What, you know, it's, it's come and gone already. We have been leading up to the Olympics for so long and, and working for so long for, for those six games over seven days and in a blink it was over and it, I, I guess it happened. Um, but, but yes, it is pretty amazing to, to hear that and, uh, it doesn't get old. So as many times <laughs> as led. Yes. Well, I'll, I'll, seven more mentions at least in this interview. We'll see how we can go with that. I, I believe, Growing up, you obviously got involved in softball, funnily enough. That's why we're here talking about you. But you also did a bit of hockey too. So you were kind of a bit of winter, bit of summer there. Sort of what was it that kind of ultimately led you to pursuing softball more over the hockey side of things? Um, I think that as a Canadian, you know, hockey is near and dear to my heart. And uh, I hope to return to the ice someday shortly. But it was post uh post graduation of college and my my parents actually signed me up for a team canada tryout it was right after the 08 olympics i graduated in 09 and so they were having open tryouts there had been a lot of turnover amongst the players a lot of players retired uh there was a brand new coach in 2009 and and so it it was an opportunity that kind of fell into my lap thanks to the stars aligning and to mom and dad having some belief in their daughter. And it, you know, I, I didn't want to go at first when they told me I had just graduated or I was about to graduate from a division three, small division three school where I played both sports and uh, loved both. And of course I would love to play sports for my entire life if my body would allow me to do that. But <laughs> uh, I, I didn't honestly have the confidence in myself that it was an opportunity worth pursuing. And thankfully my parents convinced me otherwise. And it's in, insane how much my mindset mindset shifted from the day they told me they signed me up to, you know, the day I was one of the final cuts that year. And wow. that, that lit such a fire uh, within me. And so I just worked my tail off and was able to, to make it onto the roster that, that next year. What was Growing up, sort of playing softball and obviously hockey, were the Olympics something that you looked at, maybe more so on the hockey, because obviously at that point, obviously softball wasn't quite in the Olympics anymore, but were the Olympics was something that you looked at as a potential, like, I would love to go to the Olympics one day? Absolutely. I actually, in grade three, our teacher had us write a letter to ourselves and she actually mailed mine to me when I was about to graduate from high school and I opened it up and it was all about how I wanted to be a professional athlete when I grew up. And, uh, 
in, in grade 10, I had actually written an autobiography. I came across this in my parents' house and deep in the depths of a closet in a box um, a couple years ago in, in grade 10, I written an autobiography titled Future Olympian. And wow. so it's very evident that it, it was in, you know, inside of me through my entire childhood, uh, through high school and, and onward that I wanted to reach the, the pinnacle of, of sport. And so to think back to that moment where my parents told me that, you know, there was an opportunity to try out and, and I was hesitant is, is mind blowing, but, uh, it's, it's crazy how, how things can, can work out. Well, was any of that hesitation because softball was no longer an Olympic sport at that point? And that maybe that, that dream of being an Olympian kind of, if you were successful at this might not be possible given the sport was no longer part of the Olympic program at the time. Um, it's possible that that was a reason it's, it's hard for me to think back now to have any reason to say no, you know, having had the experiences I've now had met the people that I've now met and been able to represent my country, uh, for, for so many years. But, um, you know, I, I don't know, it is possible, but if I could go back and, you know, smack that 22 year old upside the head and knock some sense into her, uh, and knock that hesitation out of her, I would. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. What was what was the scene like, I guess, in softball in Canada around about that time when you make it to the, the national team? I mean, sort of maybe people outside of, of Canada who maybe sort of weren't really aware. I mean, kind of were, were Canada in the, the top sort of teams of softball at that point? Was it sort of a development that you were building your way up to kind of where you would ultimately win a bronze at the Olympics? Kind of give us a bit of a picture about where Canada was at at that point. Yeah, the national team had just come off of 08 in a fourth place finish, and that was the best the the team had ever done. And uh, they'd always kind of been the, the underdog going into bigger competitions, always struggled with Australia uh, when it came down to it. I wasn't going to mention who beat you in, in Beijing for that bronze. I wasn't going to say yeah. it. But- Yep. <laughs> yes. No, but that plagued us for many years. Even as I was a part of the program too, we'd get into a big game and Australia would have, you know, scouted us really well and, and just come out ready to go and upset us in, in moments where we would expect we would come away on top. Um, and so it was a long buildup to Tokyo that allowed us to reach the podium finally uh, for the first time in history. And, you know, I think the the pandemic year actually was a huge asset to our program. Every single player within our team took it upon themselves to take care of things that maybe, you know, in a competition year, they, they wouldn't make the time for, or to just take, take a step back when they needed to, and then hone in on, on the little things. And, and when we came back together after 10 months of being apart, it was unbelievable to see the change within each of the athletes. And so, you know, without the pandemic, I'm not even sure we would have performed the way that we did. I think we would have put up a great fight, but it's just, I, I cannot get over how much our team improved uh, through 2020 and into 2021. Which is, it's really fascinating hearing things like that now because I remember doing some interviews with some athletes sort of just after the games were postponed and 
so much uncertainty. I mean, clearly at that point, you don't even know if the games are going to go ahead and kind of everything along those lines. And it's sort of interesting now to hear so many stories about how the pandemic pretty much helped. Like, it's kind of like, well, this is a good thing. This is kind of, you know, helped us. Obviously, it's not the same for everyone, but um, it's sort of how quickly time has gone by and how quickly now that it sort of goes into that mindset where it's like, actually, I'm kind of glad there was a, a, a pandemic for, for that reason, to, to give us an extra year to prepare. Right. Absolutely. Yes. I, I've said so many times I would never, ever wish a pandemic upon the world uh, ever. But the fact that it happened was such a blessing for our team and for our development, for our individual development and, and our uh, collective talent. And uh, you hear so many stories across the board now, like you were saying that, you know, I was able to uh, completely and fully focus on rehabbing an injury, or I was able to uh, tackle some small detail of my game or my sport or my skill that I never would have taken the time to do. And uh, just to look at life a little bit differently and and the, the self-care piece, I think was huge as well. And so a lot of athletes and people in general have learned, you know, what they need as an individual to, to be them, their best self. In terms of your role on the team, maybe more so for some of our listeners, particularly in this part of the world who kind of only see softball or baseball at an Olympics and maybe don't follow it. I mean, what's your position on the team when, when you are making the team and kind of how can you explain essentially a position to somebody who's not that limited, uh, who has limited knowledge, I guess, on the sport of, of softball? Yeah, so I have a pretty unique position. It's called a utility player. And that means I can basically fill in wherever is needed on the field and uh, might not have a a specialty or, um, you know, have a set position. And it it could be different one day to another. I I could be at one position to help kind of push and um, battle against another player to, to help them improve and have some healthy competition or uh, could just get some reps kind of all over the field in case uh, of injury or, um, you know, just performance ups and downs, whatever it might be. And um, so over the years, I've had various roles with the national team. I started as an outfielder and kind of a role player, pinch runner, and then moved into the infield, uh, played a couple years at shortstop, uh, year or two at second base and uh, have had a couple years as a utility player as well. So there was a point in time I just wished and hoped that I could just have one spot to, to focus on. And this year just fully 100% was bought into the fact that I could do anything when, when needed and, you know, took, took pride in being able to be thrown in a game uh, or, you know, switched up positions from one day to the next and, and give the team my absolute best. How do you train for that? Like, I guess, you know, if you're an outfielder, I'm imagining you're training differently if you're a second, you know, on second base. But like when you're utility, is it just kind of kind of just spreading it out a little bit, kind of, you know, doing a bit of training here and there if one day you need it in the outfield, one day you need it on the base? And, and kind of how challenging is that to kind of be so, I guess, diverse? <laughs> it definitely has its challenges, but it's also exciting because it keeps it fresh and new each day. Uh, some some days at practice, I would be scheduled in with outfielders and other days at practice, I'd be scheduled in uh, with the infielders. And if we were doing inner squad, maybe it's a little bit of both in, in a day. And so it was just kind of, you know, picking and choosing days to, to get reps in different spots. And to being at a point where I w- I felt comfortable, maybe not like I had absolutely mastered everything about each position, but I could feel comfortable uh, being in them. 
The one thing in Australia that often people will look at a sport like softball and baseball, obviously comparisons to cricket, which obviously we're very fond of here. And the one key difference that I always like to think about, though, is like when you're in the outfield, you're only there for, what, three outs and then it's innings change, quick innings change. Cricket, depending on the format, you're kind of – standing out there for multiple hours upon hours upon hours. And, and unless you're a wicketkeeper or a bowler, it's pretty boring. So uh, I kind of think that it's kind of interesting because I guess you're in the outfield, you're, you've got a lot of responsibility, but at least you know you can kind of go sit down and have a rest and maybe have a bat very shortly rather than standing out there all day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. That's one of the things I love about softball is, you know, when you're on defense, it could be a seven-pitch inning. It could be a... 30 pitch inning, hopefully not, but it could be, um, you could get a, you know, a ton of plays or, or you could get none that inning. And then, you know, you get to run in and, and see the game from a different side and, uh, maybe you're, you know, stepping up to the plate or running the bases or whatever, depending on, on your role, but there is that transition and, and the ability to have, you know, either a great play in the field or an amazing hit and then be able to switch to a different mindset and and perform in that space or the opposite where you've just made an error in the field or you've just struck out at the plate, but it's time to switch that mentality and, and perform in another area of the game. So it's, it's very, um, exciting to, to think about all the work that goes into the mental side of the game as well. What, what's the longest you've ever been out there for? You mentioned a 30-pitch inning. Have you experienced that, or what's the longest you've actually experienced? <laughs> I'm sure. I, I don't have a count on what the longest uh, inning is pitch-wise, but I'm certain there have been, you know, 25, 30-minute innings when things are not going well. Um, wow. That's it's never great, but wow. uh, we try to minimize those. Well, because the thing I, I love about, sort of the sport as well. I'm always a, a fan of, of sports where there's kind of no end time. Like you could technically go on forever until somebody calls time, go have a sleep, we'll come back tomorrow. Uh, you know, I, I look at tennis players, for example, a sport which, you know, again, doesn't have an end game. It's not like there's a clock. And going on to that mentality, I mean, I guess you have to go into every match prepared for that, right? Because you might go into it thinking, oh, you know, this will be done in seven innings, simple. But then all of a sudden it's, no, we're here for the... 15th extra inning basically when's this going to end so I mean that I can imagine the mentality part of thing you got to be prepared for anything in any match absolutely and I think the fact that we've played so many double headers in our lives uh, as a softball player because it's not a high impact high cardio sport you know having the ability to play two games back to back we we've all experienced that countless times and so with a tournament like the Olympics where you're playing one game a day it it almost feels so fast <laughs> with, yeah. with how quickly the game goes by. So I think we we were definitely prepared for that if there were to be, you know, extra long games, extra innings, whatever it might be. Which, because again, it's sort of one of these things that as an Australian, we look at our sort of sports and, you know, you have athletes who are complaining if they have to play, a, you know, say Australian football, like, oh, we've only got a five-day break between a Sunday game and a Friday game. Whereas I look at, say, the MLB, and what are they playing, like 140-odd games a year? How many games a week? Like, it's kind of like, I think we can look up to people in North America and go, like, you guys play a lot more sport, a lot more matches sort of in a short period of time. We've got nothing to complain about. <laughs> and you're mentioning double headers and just, like, absolutely insane, things like that. Going through, I guess, 
the lead up to Tokyo and sort of through the 2010s, obviously uh, a couple of silver medals at the Pan Am Games, gold in in 2015, Toronto home Pan Am Games. Was it sort of is the Pan Am Games given no Olympics at that time the peak, the World Championships kind of like what what are the the tournaments that you sort of really go go towards? I guess in softball when it's not on an Olympic program as the peak of the sport. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there with the Pan Ams and the World Championships. Those were the two that were our focus. And, you know, especially through the time where we were just expecting we wouldn't be going to the Olympics, uh, just hoping at some point we would. But our focus was 100 percent on, uh, you know, bringing home the gold if we could at at either of those tournaments. Um, having the Pan Ams in Toronto was a huge moment for us. There were a lot of players who are either from Toronto or the surrounding area. And myself, having grown up in Toronto, getting to have so many friends, family, former teammates, former coaches in the stands, that that is a memory that will never get old for me. Um, and the World Championships as well, uh, those tournaments were always exciting and, and we took a lot of pride in preparing for them and you know trying to climb up that ladder of medals. Um, Unfortunately, we never got better than a bronze, but we we will uh, we will still appreciate those moments and memories as well, um, and all the work that went into them. I can imagine too that memory back in 2015, home Pan Ams. You beat America as well. I mean, come on, that that adds <laughs> a little bit of extra spice to that gold medal, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. That that was an amazing moment for our team. You know, we we had beaten them here and there through throughout our careers, but never in a major tournament. And so to do that at a multi-sport games on home soil, it, it was one to remember. Cause I can imagine that. I mean, any sport between the U S and Canada, obviously there's that huge rivalry, but I mean, I, I remember growing up watching softball in the Olympics. I mean, the U S were the team to beat, uh, you know, Australia, I remember getting silver in, in Athens kind of when you make the gold medal game and you're up against the U S you're like, well, at least we're going to get a silver. You were kind of like, we're not going to win this, but I mean, it must be just kind of added to that. As you said, you've sort of, you know, beaten them here and there, but to do it at such an event home crowd, like it just, the stars seemingly align at that moment. And you're on that dais hearing, Oh, Canada play. Like it just, everything kind of just fits together perfectly. Yes, it almost was like a storybook ending for us that summer, the the night before, I love telling this this story, the night before the gold medal game, we were falling asleep, it was lights out, you know, it'd been quiet in my room, I was rooming with Jenna, Kyra, one of our pitchers at that tournament, and 20 minutes, you know, she could have been sleeping for all I know, and I said, Jenna, she said, yeah, I said, we're, we're going to win tomorrow. she said I know and then no other word was said we both just fell asleep you know dreaming of gold medals and and woke up and and did the job so it was a a pretty cool story but definitely meant to be kind of that motivation (laughs) right you go to sleep happy you wake up happy right you know so I like that I like that do you remember the moment when the IOC announced that it was coming back for Tokyo, I, I believe that was during the Rio Olympics, if I if I'm not mistaken, that they announced the what five six sports that were going to be on the Tokyo schedule. And and what what was that moment like when going back to you saying you had a letter to yourself, dear future Olympian, that this now is is realistic. You you have every chance to be an Olympian in at that point four years time. 
Yeah, I think it was a mixture of disbelief, pure, pure joy, excitement, and and just determination to get to work and and to ensure that you know now that that was a possibility to ensure that uh, I would be able to to be in a space to make that roster and to keep my body healthy. You know, being 34 this year, I I knew it would take a, a lot of hard work in the off season and. Um, and so, yeah, I think there were a lot of things running through my mind at that point, but the, the biggest emotion was absolutely just joy and excitement that, uh, you know, we'd waited so long and worked so hard and, and the possibility was finally there. Is there a, I guess, a peak age for a softball player? You know, sort of you're mentioning sort of your age in Tokyo, but I mean, is that standard age like you you generally have a lot of people sort of playing well into their 30s or things like that or is there kind of an age where sort of people and coaches will look at going okay you're sort of in that peak age right now I think honestly most women in athletics uh have their own uh determination on on when they step away because of other factors you know they want to have a family they want to uh, build a career they they want to do these other things and and there haven't been a a huge number of female athletes who have broken those barriers. You know, on our team this year, we had two moms and that was really, really cool. And for the younger generation to see that and to know that they could grow up and have kids, have a family and play athletics well into their thirties, um, I think is really exciting, um, for athletes everywhere. But, um, you know, if I were to guess a, a peak age, I would probably say, you know, 27 to 32 or so uh, for for the, the best, um, you know, freshest body, but most mature athlete mind combination. Um, but, you know, our roster spanned from early 20s through uh, 39. So, wow. <laughs> big diverse age there wow that's crazy and i can imagine too that after that announcement sort of in that four-year period did all of a sudden things get a little bit more competitive all of a sudden now knowing that there was sort of a, an olympics up for grabs in, in four years and what was sort of that period like i guess sort of uh fighting for spots on the team or maintaining your position on the team i guess at least it was at that point yes it absolutely kicked up the competition a little bit there were a couple players who came back out of retirement and a couple younger players who were coming up the ranks at that time and so up until earlier this year we had 20 athletes still competing for the 15 roster spots and that definitely kept it fresh and i think was a was a huge uh, factor in how much better we got throughout the pandemic because every single one of those 20 players knew that there were only 15 spots at the end of the day going to Tokyo. In terms of the qualification for Tokyo, they they cut it down to six teams as opposed to, I believe, eight at previous Olympics. Did that add extra pressure? I mean, kind of how did the qualification work then for, for Canada to secure a spot and, and had it changed, if you know, from previous Olympics where they had extra teams at the Olympics? I'm not sure off the top of my head how the previous Olympics uh, were qualified for. For us, we had an opportunity to qualify in the 2018 Worlds that were in Japan and the top finisher from that World Championships uh, aside from Japan, because they were the hosts and already qualified, would make it to the Olympics. And so we narrowly missed that and, you know, played for the bronze medal as opposed to uh, 
playing against the U.S. for for that opportunity for the gold medal and for a qualification. And so we then waited until the next summer of 2019. We had the Pan Am Games in Peru. And then uh, a couple weeks after that, we had a qualifier that was again on home soil. So it was really nice to, to be able to play in front of our home crowd uh, there again. And at that tournament, there were two teams from the Americas who would qualify. And so we felt fairly confident. We were ranked third in the world and we had been playing pretty well. Uh, you know, 2018, we, we put on a, a good showing at the world championships. And so we felt confident going into that qualifier in, in 2019. And we got to a game where we could qualify and we actually lost to Mexico one, nothing. Wow. And so that put a little bit of added pressure on us. We had to turn around and, and beat Brazil the next day. And we ended up walking it off uh, with a home run from our catcher, Kaylee Rafter. And it was really, really exciting to finish that tournament with a, a walk-off qualification, you know, a home run to seal the deal. And so, so it was a, a pretty exciting, eventful journey. I was going to say, it must be a pretty uh, special moment to, to feel that. I mean, can you describe what that's like then? I mean, obviously then it's qualifying the team. Uh, you know, the squads are obviously announced a little bit closer to the games. But yeah, that's it. You're done. You know Canada is going back to the Olympics in softball. Yes, yes. That was a pretty emotional tournament and moment for our whole team. And specifically for for myself and my family, my sister was getting married that week. And so wow. I missed her wedding. Uh, I was wow. able to FaceTime in. Um, <laughs> and so I, I saw her get married, but I was not there. And that also meant that I had no family in attendance that week at the tournament and the, you know, the rest of my teammates did. And so when we sealed the deal, all of the families came down onto the field to celebrate. And that was such a touching and emotional moment. And I kind of took it in, you know, I, I didn't have my family coming down onto the field. And uh, so that, that part was, was not the happiest moment ever. Um, but I was able to connect with some other people and actually our head coach's wife came over and I just burst into tears with the, the, the touching, amazing things that she said to me um, during that embrace. And so it was, you know, a moment like that I might not have had if my family were there and, and then looking forward into the Olympics in Tokyo, where there were no fans, it, I used it as a positive for myself as well, that, you know, I've experienced a big moment without my family there. And I know they'll be watching from home and cheering us on. And, um, just as I build on, on that topic, you know, having our whole team experience that at the Olympics, no fans, no family, uh, that it was very strange, but I think it provided such a unique and bonding and intimate experience for the 15 of us to do that together and to have each other and to focus on one another, that it was pretty special for us. Which I can then imagine when you get back to Canada and you've got the bronze medal around your neck, it's sort of as much as you would have liked your family and friends obviously to be there, it makes that moment more special when you do return home with a you know pretty nice piece of jewelry around your neck. Absolutely. It has been pretty special to hear about and, and see on social media 
just everybody returning home and having the celebrations and getting reunited with their family and loved ones and being able to share those moments. And so although it was a very unique games, I think that did ultimately provide a lot of very special moments. What was that moment like when you were officially announced on the squad for Tokyo, when you knew at that point, I'm an Olympian, I'm going to the Olympics? Oh my goodness. I think it was another mixed emotion moment for me because I think I was pushing for, for a spot. You know, I, I wasn't an athlete who 100% knew that they would be named to that roster from day one. And so on, on one hand, it was a sense of relief. On another hand, it was a sense of excitement and, um, yeah, there was a lot of, of emotions going on that day. And, um, having, having been a part of the program since 2010 and having tried out for the first time in 2009 and having dreamed of being an Olympian for my whole life, it, it was a pretty overwhelming day. And, um, there were, I didn't really have the words to describe it that day, you know, for, for a couple of days, that announcement came out and there were people reaching out and, and lots of excitement around it. And in the back of my mind, and I think a back of a lot of my teammates' minds as well, there was still a tiny seed of doubt. Will these Olympics happen? And, mm. and so there was a little bit of a cloud still looming in the distance. Um, in addition to all of the excitement that, you know, we were getting one step closer. So was it then that moment, first game out there on the field that all of a sudden that's the moment? It's like, okay, well, they, they can't stop these now, surely. Like, here we are. <laughs> like, we're, we're playing. This is happening. I've got Canada all on me. Like, this, this I'm, I'm an Olympian now. This is, this is happening. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think a lot of us shared in that moment too where, okay, we're here. We're on the field. The pitches have been thrown. <laughs> we are in it. Um, it yes, yes. It was a, a very exciting time. What was the confidence levels like in in the team going into that tournament, sort of coming off, you know, bronze at the world, you're talking about being third in the world. I mean, was there that confidence that you would leave with a medal? Was that the goal, essentially? We are are not leaving unless we've got a medal around our necks? I mean, I guess you have to leave, but you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) You can still stay there if you really want to. I don't know if, you know, Tokyo would have let you, but hey. (laughs) Yes, yes. Oh, no, they they got us on a plane home real fast, but... um, (laughs) We, so our training, our, our journey, we, we titled it our gold medal mission. And the, the entire team was bought into the fact that we were chasing a gold medal in Tokyo. So I think our team's confidence was at at its highest it's ever been going into those games. We all believed that we could do it when we lost the, the one, nothing game to the U S we still believed that we would beat Japan later that week and, and make it into the gold medal game. And when we lost that one, nothing game to Japan, we were devastated. I think that's the hardest loss that anyone on our team has ever felt. There were tears, there was frustration. And, you know, we had just been working every single day for years with a gold medal in our sight. And so we, we quickly had to rebound from that. And, um, but the confidence was there for sure. And so going into that bronze medal game, you know, we, we felt that we would come out on top and it, it was an exciting game. We, we didn't, uh, you know, skate by Mexico by any means, a three, two finish, but, 
uh, I think from, from the moment we arrived in Tokyo, we, we had our eyes set on the gold medal. And as soon as that was unattainable, you know, we were not, as you said, leaving that country without some hardware. Cause the thing I always love talking about athletes in sports where, you know, you've got to play a bronze medal game, you know, you make it to a gold medal game. Of course you want to win a gold, but I guess in the back of your mind, you've got, well, if we don't, we've got a medal, you've secured a medal, no matter what. The bronze right. to me is more do or die, right? Because at that point, yeah. you, you're not only overcoming the disappointment of not making it to that gold medal game, you know you lose your fourth. You're not even going with a medal. So in some way, I almost feel like that bronze medal game almost has a bit more, I don't know, weight on it in a weird way because you, you know that it's all or nothing right now to walk away with a medal. Absolutely. And I think the the history of our program additionally would put – put some pressure on us. You know, it had been the story that Canada has always narrowly missed and, you know, we'll make it to that bronze game. And, uh, especially on the Olympic stage, we'll, we'll come home with nothing. And, and so that for sure was in the back of our minds, but I think with how hard we had worked in the off season and how particularly we had prepared for every single opponent, uh, we, we had the confidence on our side. And I'll say one thing as an Australian going to show our knowledge of softball is that we sort of looked at it and like, ah, we've meddled in every single one of these. Like, yeah, we're, we're easy, Canada, Australia, bronze medal maybe. You know, we, we went into that with that notion. And then I remember we were on air during that game against Mexico and because one of my other co-hosts is Australian, Jared, and we were like, what's going on here? We're not even going to make it to the bronze medal game. So, uh I don't know if that's just confident, cocky Australians getting a bit too ahead of ourselves, assuming we're going to walk away with a medal in a sport we'd never at that point not won a medal in. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we we were watching that Mexico-Australia game, you know, just wondering who was going to come out on top and and being excited to play either team. I think the, the history between us and Australia, there was a little bit of us that was hoping it would be Australia so we could redeem ourselves. Um, we would have loved to, to play them, but Mexico being the fierce competitors that they are, uh, they, they made it a great game and challenged us to the end. I have to say, 7-1 win in the pool stage is a bit of sweet revenge though against Australia at the Olympics, right? You kind of can take away that, like, ah, that that's for not letting us get the bronze back in Beijing. 7-1, we'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to look at it. What is that moment like then when you're on the dais, you've got the bronze around your neck? I mean, again, I'm sure it's something that you really can't put into words, but I mean, that goes right back to when you were dreaming of being an Olympian and not only are you an Olympian now, you're an Olympic medalist, which kind of adds a bit of extra, as I said before, spice to it. Yeah, earlier that week, one of my teammates, Erica Polidori, was talking about how we were going to be the first team sport that would be stepping onto the podium. And that we had the opportunity to set the tone for how that looked. And she said that she had been thinking about it and planning and, and envisioning herself putting my medal around my neck for me. And that, that was extremely special to hear. And we had had a few cool moments, you know, throughout our travels to Tokyo and, and through the Olympics, Erica and I, and so stepping onto the podium next to her was, was, uh, an amazing moment. And on my other side, I had Jen Salling and we, we had had a, a journey as well. She was my first roommate, uh, during tryouts in 2009. And we actually roomed together again this year and just had such an amazing time, amazing conversation, and just had, had grown so much as friends and teammates over the past, you know, 12 years. And 
so to be able to step onto the podium between those two women and it turned out that i actually got to put the medal around erica's neck wow. and and then jen placed mine around my neck and we kind of set the tone for what that could look like as a team sport since there there wasn't allowed to be an outside person you know putting that medal on us and so they had said we were to do our own but we decided to write our own story and continue to to show i don't think you realize this in the moment but continue to show how much we love each other and how close we we are as a squad and so i i think that moment is is one i'll remember forever and it, it's pretty indescribable with regard to the emotions that were flowing through me which that was the, the beauty of of tokyo is that we did get to witness sort of the team sports kind of you putting your medals around each other's necks which I'm assuming you never get to experience at any competition because it's usually done by the officials. So I, I kind of feel like it was such a unique touch. It's almost something I think they should just keep in, like keep that in, you know, future Olympics, even if we're back to normal, hopefully by 2024, because it's, it was just kind of the emotions there. I mean, just seeing that and, and seeing it in other sports too, where kind of even athletes were doing it to each other. Like it's just, it was just a nice little touch that kind of the pandemic brought to it. Yes, I agree. It was extremely special and, uh, I would love to see teams continue to do that moving forward, to share that moment with one another. It also, we, we love hearing, I guess, about the Olympic experiences. And as we we're saying about Tokyo, obviously, sort of a, a bit of a unique and different experience. But do you kind of have those moments that you take away from Tokyo through the village, through everything else, you know, just interacting with other countries and players that you, you're really soaking in what it means to be an Olympian at an Olympics? Absolutely. I think because we weren't able to go watch other sports, it made the interactions in the village so much more important for that experience. And one of the most special moments for me was meeting up at the rings in the village with two other women who had gone to Williams College, where, you know, it's a small division three school. And to think that there are three women uh, playing three different sports for three different countries who uh, were united by their alma mater. That that was a pretty special moment for me, just getting to meet those women, hearing a bit about their stories, learning about their time on campus and and being able to, you know, share a picture and, and send that back to our sports info director and, and make his day. But it, yes, those moments were absolutely heightened because we, we weren't able to go watch other sports and because it was just a, a different experience as a whole. Do you get much into the pin trading? I always love hearing about sort of the, the pin trading going on because I, I that just adds a bit of fun to it, doesn't it? Kind of going around. It's almost <laughs> like collecting Pokemon. I'm going to get all these pins and, and trade everything around where I can. Absolutely. So I, I would wear a few on my lanyard and and uh, happily trade if, if others were interested. There were a couple of players on my team who really got into it and were approaching anybody and everybody uh, who looked like they might have some pins on them or in their pockets. And <laughs> it, it is a, a pretty cool thing. And, you know, you get to go home and, and share some mementos with with other people and um, you know, just see the different designs that countries have made. And it, it does add some excitement to the village for sure. Do, do you have that friendly nature enough with your, the other teams there that you can maybe go up to the Australians and just like, hey, like, you know, I know we just beat you 7-1, you know, go us, but can we trade a pin while we're here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the camaraderie between the the teams is is pretty high. And for us, we had a pretty unique situation where, so currently I'm, I'm working at Athletes Unlimited, uh, a professional softball league um, 
in the US and I was actually fortunate enough to play in it a year ago. Uh, again, thanks to the pandemic and the delayed Tokyo games. And there were players from the US, from Canada, from Italy and from Mexico who played last year. And again, uh, many from those same teams and countries who are playing this year. And so to have had that experience in 2020 and get to know a lot of those athletes better than just as opponents was a pretty amazing experience to then travel to Tokyo and reunite and have those friendships that have been grown. And, and so that there, there's a lot of, um, you know, friendly banter and, and friendships that have been created between softball teams. One of the things I absolutely loved after the medal win, um, your great coach, Mark Smith, of course, retired, but sort of the plea that he was giving out there, like, you know, like make this continue this in, in the Olympics and kind of push it out there because I can imagine that is a weird feeling competing at an Olympic games, knowing that, you can't compete in the next one. Like, and it's got nothing to do with ability or age or kind of anything along those lines. It's literally that the sport is not at the Olympics. I mean, what was that like kind of seeing sort of Mark just go out there on a bang and just be like, come on, like, come on, I see what are you doing? Like this is these, these athletes deserve to compete in an Olympics. Look how successful this has been. It must've been bittersweet, obviously seeing him go, but at least seeing him go out with a bang essentially to show, show what it should be for. Yeah, I think, our, we're hopeful that our sport will have a chance again in 2028. And similarly to Japan choosing softball and baseball as one of their uh, sports to exhibit, we're hopeful that the U.S. will do that in L.A. And with it being only seven years apart from the Tokyo Games, perhaps that will help create more moment, more momentum um, within the, the Olympic level uh you know that that's a dream so i think there's still some hope out there that uh the olympic momentum will continue it is absolutely unfortunate that in three years time the the game will not be displayed in the olympics but uh there there's still hope we're holding on to hope for 2028 as an australian who has no sway over how the brisbane olympics will be held but i'm just saying i will do what i can to make sure that brisbane if la doesn't that Brisbane will include it in 2032, all right? Like, come on. Like, <laughs> I'll do what I can, Joey. I don't know how much sway I have in this country anymore, but I'll try. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that. Yes, good. You can. Please, please do with that. Just on a side tangent, a question that I've actually legitimately always wanted to know, and this has got nothing to do with anything that I usually ask. It's just a Ben Waterworth wants to know. Is there male softball and is there female baseball? And if so... Why do we not hear about it more? And and why is it sort of so associated that softball is a women's sport and baseball is a male sport? <laughs> that is a very good question. And the answer is yes. There is women's baseball and there is men's softball. And it is actually – so in the 2015 Pan Am Games, they had all four – Great. Women's and men's baseball, women's and men's softball. And so that was really exciting to get to meet those players and see those teams perform. And, you know, Canada won three of those four gold medals. So that was Great. also very exciting. Um, and I, I think my guess would be that college sports, there's only women's softball and men's baseball. And so the desire for youth, at least in North America to pursue the opposite is is much lower. So mm. uh, I believe the the men's softball game used to be much larger, and it's kind of died a little bit in 
recent years, but it, it is a very exciting game to watch. Because it's always fascinating to me. Like, obviously, it's great that, you know, in Olympics and, and Commonwealth Games and sports like this, they're obviously finally getting to a point where it's it's equal medals, you know, equal events for, for men and women. But it's still kind of interesting how there are some sports that are so associated with one gender. And while there's clearly a lot of male sports like that, it, it's always fascinates me with sort of these, you know, female oriented sports like a softball or even something like synchronized swimming or rhythmic gymnastics, which are just, you know, I'm, there are men that do it. It just, it would be interesting to kind of see that. Netball is a very big sport in Australia and there's male netball, even though it's sort of very, much associated as a, as a female sport so it's just it's yeah it's always interesting to me to think that it's just such an association with gender when the sports are, are very similar uh and uh, yeah just to kind of see if that was a thing so thank you for clearing that up joey i'm glad i, I, I feel like i'm being educated <laughs> so i like it <laughs> one thing i always need to find out too from all our medalists on the show and this is obviously very fresh for you uh what do you do with the medal like what do you or if you haven't sort of got a place for it yet what are you planning to do with the medal <laughs> well, I do have it right here oh. with me. Oh, look and at that. I there have, we go. Yes. I have been traveling with it um, on hand because I actually one day, I forget where I was one day, but uh, somebody asked, do you have your medal with you? And it was recently after I returned and I said, oh, actually it's at home. And the disappointment that came over that person's face just crushed me. And so having learned how much joy it brings people to be able to hold an Olympic medal, see an Olympic medal and uh, ask about it and, and share stories. It, it has persuaded me to, to keep it close by uh, while, while the excitement is, is still flowing. I love that. That, that. I mean, I've always said if I had ever won a medal, I wouldn't take the damn thing off. I'd be I'd be, be around my neck like 10 years later. Just it would be there. Uh, so uh, the fact that you've got it there ready to go, like just it's perfect. It should be should be like your wallet, right? You always need your wallet. You always need your Olympic medal. You never know when it's going to come in handy, right? Heaviest wallet I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know if it would quite fit in one of the credit card slots. But, um, you know, have you have you tried to get free? Like, I always ask this. Do you, you try and get free stuff? Like, can you walk into a store with an Olympic medal around your neck and maybe, you know, get a better table at a restaurant or, you know, free fries <laughs> or something like that? So I have a couple of stories. I haven't tried to get free things with it, but <laughs> there have definitely been some folks, you know, my, my wife and I crossed the border. We went up to to see my parents shortly after I returned from Tokyo. And our first stop was Tim Hortons. And yes. We walked in and she, she said, you have to wear your medal inside. And so we walked in and the gentleman behind the cash register, his jaw just about hit the floor and <laughs> he was so filled with excitement. And after confirming that, yes, it was an Olympic medal, he, he said, oh my goodness, you, whatever you want, it's on us. It's on it, on us. And he turned to his associate and he said, right, right. <laughs> um, so that, that was pretty cool. Tim just bits, to boxes of Timbits, I'm guessing. Yep, <laughs> yes, <right? laughs> yes, absolutely. So yeah, to see the, the excitement, uh, in that moment was pretty cool. And, uh, there've been a couple of times where I've been out with some friends grabbing dinner, grabbing a beer and my, my friends go out of their way to embarrass me and put me on the spot and, and make sure that the server knows that there's an Olympic medal and an Olympian in their, in their presence. And, um, so due to that, we have gotten, you know, a, a round covered or, uh, you know, a freebie here and there. And so it's been a, a nice perk. 
I just think you just you're being too humble, Joey. Just wear it. Go on. Just go into these places and just be like, "Yes, I would like a Mercedes. Thank you very much. This is an Olympic medal." How polite well, of you to offer I could it. Get a Mercedes. Maybe I'll is have it, to try that. Hey, I mean, we joke on this show that a Canadian bronze is like a Canadian gold. So, I mean, hey, I'm sure that they're going to be throwing it out to you. So, you know, that 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 kind of was. I've got some fake replicas, which maybe I need to try it, right? Like I can just wear an Australia. I can, I'll put on my Canadian Team Canada sort of stuff I got at the Bay and put on an accent. Like, yeah, I am a Canadian gold medalist. No one in this country would question me. <laughs> <laughs> well, perfect. You can be my test dummy and then let okay. me know what works. Done. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll take a picture of you of me and my Mercedes. I'm like, hey, it works. Here you go. You know? Phenomenal. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, before we sort of wrap up, Joe, with a series of sort of get to know you fun style questions, I guess from from this point on, what, what now for you? Are you going to continue to to play, kind of, uh, you know, stick around on, on the national team, maybe another Pan Am Games or a World Champs or sort of what's in the books for you now? Yeah, I think now is a good time for me. Well, it's never a good time. I think it is time for me to step away from the athlete side of my life and embark on a new journey. And I would love to stay involved with softball and get back involved with hockey. I have signed a contract with a company called area scouts and what they do is, um, it's a health based sport platform. So youth athletes join the platform and they get evaluated by their evaluator. And the first thing they do is go through a movement screen. And so if there are any red flags, those athletes are then uh, directed to work through those issues that they have, those mobility issues, and ensure that there is no pain and that those the mobility improves uh, before sports specific stuff comes into play. Uh, If the athlete passes the movement screen, then there's, they're put through uh, a sports specific evaluation and then they're provided feedback and, and given tons of videos with regard to the certain areas that they need to improve. And so I'm excited to, to grow with this platform. It's, it's fairly new. And so I'll be involved with both softball and women's hockey. And so I'm pretty excited for that. And then I also actually just today launched my own website. And so I'm, I'm hoping to plug it, Joey, where can people (laughs) check it out? Go on. (laughs) It is joey-ly.com. So J O E Y hyphen L Y E.com. And I am excited to embark on a speaking career as well and, you know, travel around and, and touch the lives of, you know, youth, uh, companies, you know, and any, everything in between and, and share my story and inspire leadership. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It is it is a very nice website, I have to say. Mm, so, thank you. As seen on CBC, ESPN, TSN, Fox, CBS, Sports, CT. Wow, this 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 is incredible. Jeez, <laughs> I feel like I need to redo the introduction now, Joe. I need to go back and re-edit this, you know. Um, I see here you've got Outside the Shoot podcast, Two's Talk podcast. You can add Off the Podium podcast if you want, you know, I on Australian podcast, yes. you know. Yes, I will do that. 
Good. All right. I like that. Any any extra promotion kind of uh, works out there on that. Now, Joe, we wrap up every interview with a series of sort of fun get-to-know-you questions. And this is actually from a Team Canada questionnaire that they gave athletes ahead of Rion Pyeongchang. Did you get, like, I, I don't, I, you might be the first athlete I can ask this to because they didn't have it on their website this year. So I don't know, did you get a questionnaire before you left for Tokyo, kind of a get-to-know-you style thing, or did they just not do it at all? You know what? We filled out a lot of stuff. It feels like two years ago now (laughs) (laughs) athletes who, who would potentially be there. Um, So I'm sure there were some questions. Uh, I don't remember anything leading right up to the games about kind of get to know you um, questions per se. Uh, Hmm. We're so a bit disappointed. I will, because we were a bit disappointed. Like, maybe they did do these and they just didn't get around to putting it on the website or something like that. But anyway, I, I will say I usually choose an athlete from the same sport. And obviously, unfortunately, in Rio, there was no softball. So I've gone with a golf athlete today. I thought, ball, you're hitting it. It's kind of yep. in the same ballpark. So why not? Um, your favorite ever Olympic moment. And you are allowed to answer your own if you want to. Okay. Yes. I mean, I have to say stepping onto the podium with my teammates and taking in the fact that we had just made history for our country and continuing that celebration in center field with, we call it our oxy circle where (laughs) we just come in as close as possible and have our arms around each other and, and just share in that moment together. Great. I love it. Uh, If you could choose any Olympic host city, where would it be? Wow. That is a tough question. Okay. I'm going to look like I'm sucking up, but I would have to say somewhere in Australia. I've always wanted to travel to Australia and I never have. And uh, that would be a great reason to, in addition to the fact that I have uh, my, my wife's sister and her family live in Adelaide. So I've, ah. I've got to get over there at some point. Yeah, exactly. Well, perfect excuse for both reasons. I mean, Adelaide's yeah. Adelaide's a nice city. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the best in Australia, but it's not the worst. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that's on their Wonderful. slogan. Adelaide, not the best, but not the worst. Come visit us. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a decent slogan. Um, in your spare time, what do you most like to do? Ooh, I the first thing that comes into my mind is the beach. I just cannot get enough of the water. So anytime I can get to the beach, I am there. Beautiful. And one thing I actually I will say living in Canada, I discovered the the beach culture is obviously more of a lake beach beach culture, but I, I enjoyed it. Like it's not quite what I was used to here in Australia, but it it, it does the job. You've you know, I was like, Canada beaches, you don't have but that's like saying Australia's got snow. But uh <laughs> It exists, so, yeah, I like that. Um, what is the weirdest instruction a coach ever gave you? Weirdest instruction? Hmm. I think, well, I've also done this to athletes. I, in my now previous life, was a college coach, uh, but eyes closed drills. So you're obviously never going to play your sport with your eyes closed, but attempting to either hit the ball off the tee or go through, you know, a a throw or whatever it is that your body should have muscle memory to do with your eyes closed. Very strange experience. Okay. It'd be scary then if you had a player who was so good at that, that they did close their eyes in a tournament because they played (laughs) better with their, I don't know how that would work, but. 
Yes, yeah. that would be very scary. Your coaching skills are a little bit too good then if all of a sudden they're, uh, <laughs> they're doing that. Now, there, there is a, again, this is optional. They're, they're, they did a drawing element to this questionnaire. So you've got to draw a picture of yourself. And I have to say here, Elena Sharps, the golfer, we've got the question here. She's drawn a lovely stick figure of her holding a golf club. And that's pretty much the skills I would have if I had to draw a picture of myself. So again, Joey, <laughs> if, you, if you want to, you're welcome to send it in. We can put it on social media. Um, your favorite workout is? Okay. So we, as a squad, we would always get tested with the trap bar deadlift. And a lot mm-hmm. of my teammates now despise the trap bar or at some point despised the trap bar. But I freaking love trap bar deadlift. <laughs> I could do that every single day. I mean, I haven't been in the gym a ton since we have returned from Tokyo twice, actually, in the past three, four, five weeks, however long it's been. But uh, trap bar is up there for me. Okay. I like it. Good to see there. Um, if you could have lunch with any one person, who would it be? Wow. I think there are a lot of people that I would be able to put on that list and to pick one of them, Mm. I might have to say Glennon Doyle. I Mm. love her books. I love her podcast. I love just the energy she puts out on social media. I love the rawness of her personal life that, that she and her wife, Abby Wambach put out there. And I know that, uh, socializing isn't huge on her list, but I would be hopeful that a a one-on-one lunch would be a okay. I think you're up there now with that. Again, wear the medal. It's that stuff that you get, right? Like (laughs) Olympic medalist lunch. Come on. Like it's going to work. Um, speaking of lunch, what is your favorite sandwich? Favorite sandwich. I think I would go with a turkey avocado club. Nice. Good choice there. Again, I, yeah. I said this year off air. I should need to stop asking questions about food because it just makes <laughs> me hungry. So I just shouldn't do it. Um, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? It would be to freeze time, but where mm. I would still be able to exist in my life. And, you know, I think there's a couple reasons for this one. I'm always running just on time. I do not give myself any extra minutes to do anything. And, uh, I, I like to say I have time optimism where, you know, I can get way more done in the amount of time that I have than I actually can get done. So I think, uh, pausing time for that reason, but also there are moments that I would just love to kind of sit in and take in, uh, with more time than life gives you to do that and just be able to kind of soak it up and, and enjoy those really special, great moments. And surely the third option there is in softball. You could freeze it just as the ball's about to come to you. Go, okay, that's the positioning of it. I know this is what it's going to do. All right, get ready. And then unfreeze, swing, home run, right? I, I hadn't thought about that, but that is an amazing added bonus. Hey, exactly. The, the, the fact that that's only your third option there, you know, that, that, that works. I like that. Um, the best candy in the world is? Reese's peanut butter cups. Oh, yeah. Good choice. I like yeah, that. Doesn't big, get answered big. as much as I thought it should on this show. But, uh, we can yeah, bring it big back. peanut butter girl, big chocolate girl. The the other drawing element to this: draw a picture of a Canadian animal, and uh, Elena's drawn a. I, I think it's a beaver. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say it's a beaver. Um, now I'm excited for this one, knowing that you're from Toronto. As a kid, who was your favorite sports team? Oh, 
Toronto Maple Leafs, no questions asked. No hesitation at all. Now, I, I'm not a Leafs fan, but I, I do have a big soft spot for the Leafs. I'm a, I'm a Flames fan, but uh, you can hold that against me. But I'm a big Raptors fan, so, I mean, you know, got to balance it balance it out there. Your favourite sports movie is? Ooh, again, there are so many good ones. I, I would have to go with Coach Carter. Uh, ah, yeah. Yes, I just love the impact that he has, the – the standard he holds his players to and uh, his his unwavering standards, but but also how much he cares for his athletes. There's just a lot of passion and a lot of growth in that movie. And Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, come on, right? Like that yes, man can that do anything. Awesome. I always like to ask in terms of, you know, if there's any sports specific, like obviously I think of A League of Their Own as a women's baseball movie, but is, are there any softball specific movies that exist that you know of? There is a movie that has Reese Witherspoon in it, and I cannot for the life of me remember the title in this moment. And there is, she gets cut from USA Softball at the beginning of the movie. And so there are some softball clips, um, but it is not about softball. Right. Okay. I, I mean, again, I know it's baseball, not softball, but a league of their own. I mean, Tom Hanks, Madonna, Gina Davis, Rosie O'Donnell. I mean, gosh, like, just, come on. <laughs> Sells itself, right? Um, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? I think right now, my wife and I are talking about moving to the Carolinas, possibly. So I would mm-hmm. have to list that. You know, I know it's embarrassing that I grew up in Canada and I cannot deal with the cold, but uh, we are looking forward to journeying south and and being somewhere where we can spend more months on the beach. Does that mean that you have to become like a makeshift Hurricanes fan or just kind of just <laughs> ignore that little aspect? I mean, at least you could watch the Leafs play a couple of, years, a couple of times a year when they come to Carolina, right? Yes, I will remain a Leafs fan until the day I die. Yeah, Colin, our our Canadian co-host, is a is a big Leafs fan. So um, maybe I'm glad he's not on the show right now because I feel the entire conversation would have just switched to that right now. So oh yes, you would have been know. way outnumbered. Yeah, I, I won't tell the Leafs jokes. I know it's all good. Um, if <laughs> when you were little, what was something you always thought? I always thought. I always. So I have this memory. I think it's the first memory I have. I have a terrible memory. But when I was six years old, my grandma asked me, what is your favorite age to be? And I looked at her and I said, six, as though that was the only answer that was possible. And I think just from a young age, I always loved being in the moment and being where I was at. And I appreciate that about my childhood and about my life. And I, I try my best to to continue living life that way. Great way to look at it. I like that. Final question for you today, Joey. I mentioned the word joke before, so this kind of is poignant that we end on. My favorite joke to tell is. Oh, dear. I'm a terrible joke teller. So <laughs> good to put you on the pressure for the last question. <laughs> for real. Um, yeah, I honestly have nothing for you. I, you, I, you could just I say would... Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
<laughs> I, I hate to say it. The only thing coming to mind is that the Leafs are going to win the Stanley Cup this year. Hey, stranger things have happened. Um, I'm trying to think of those. I mean, the Cubs won a, you know, a World Series eventually. So that was what a hundred and however many years. It's only been about forty or fifty or sixty, right? So uh, <laughs> you'll get there yeah, eventually. Well, maybe <laughs> I, I will say the the most spoken uh, sentence of a Leafs fan is maybe next year. So that's yes. that's a little pun I'll leave you with. Just, just I'll, I'll the one word of advice is actually win a playoff series first before you think about the Stanley Cup. Right? You got to get past uh, that first round. Okay, just. Uh, yeah, I'm Got a Flames it. fan. I can you just you can rip into me. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> Joey, before before we let you go, you obviously mentioned your website, but social media. If people want to sort of stay up to date with everything else you got there as well, where can they where can they find you? Yes, Instagram is the best. I'm also on Twitter and Facebook. All of them, my handles are the same at Joey One Y E. So it looks like Joey Lie, but the the L is a one. Perfect. Joey, it has been so fun chatting to you, learning more about softball and everything else in between. And and as promised, I will start my pitch, no pun intended, actually no bugger, pun intended, for softball to be on that program in 2032 if it's overlooked by LA. And even if it's not overlooked, I'll make sure it stays on the, on the calendar for the Brisbane Olympics. Amazing. Thank you so much. It has been a pleasure uh, sitting here with you tonight. And I guess it's tomorrow morning for you, but... Uh, sort of, yeah. <laughs> I, I still think it's morning. I don't know what time it is half the time. So, you know. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. It was an honor to to be here with you today. And uh, I look forward to, to following your podcast in the future as well. And a massive, massive thanks once again to Joey for her time. Such a fun, great chat there. And yeah, Colin... Toronto Maple Leafs, I know you're, you're excited and happy to hear that. And uh, I'm proud of myself that I didn't end that final joke actually with Toronto and I went with Vancouver. So, hey, it's uh, it's fun to do. And also great to uh, to see Joey literally had the medal right there. Uh, she held it up to the camera. So uh, great, to, great to see that. And as she said, it sort of brings a bit of a smile to people's faces. My face may have smiled quite significantly when I did see that Olympic medal. So uh, thanks, Joey, for experiencing, uh, sharing your experiences and also sharing the medal there as well. Uh, plenty of great content still to come here and off the podium. Plenty of great interviews. We are obviously keeping very, very busy between now and Beijing. And not only keeping busy, but keeping you entertained. We also do have coming up our Ranking the Olympic Medal Designs episode, which we're very excited about. Colin, myself and Jared are going to sit down and geek out for an hour or two as we rank our thoughts on all the Olympic medals from 1996 onwards, actually 94 onwards. We're going to go from Lillehammer onwards. As we've sort of explained before, it's more of a case of when the Olympic medals were sort of added a little bit more to the ribbon design. It wasn't just sort of a generic color that they added. You know, you had the the games sort of emblazoned along the ribbon and kind of what that means from along the way. So it's not going to be a, a 10 hour long episode where we go back to Athens 1896 and rank every single medal. We'd love to do that maybe one day when we maybe look lose our lives and don't have a life and kind of have time to do that. But this will be more of a case of from 94 onwards, winter and summer. And I'm very intrigued to see how this will play out because uh, I don't know how Colin and Jared think about the metal designs. I've got some thoughts in my head about what I think of the metal designs over the years, but uh, 
I guess we will uh, come to that very, very soon. And as I said, interviews galore to keep you entertained both winter and summer as Beijing 2022 gets ever closer. In the meantime, if you don't want to miss any one of these episodes, of course, subscribe to us on all the podcast channels. Search for Off the Podium. Easiest way to get that into your speakers. Get the episodes into your speakers. That makes more sense, Ben. And also social media, uh, Off the Podium, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can follow us on there. Stay up to date with what we've got posted. And give us a message. Let us know who you'd like us to track down. Is there an athlete out there you'd really like to hear from? We can do our best and find them. So send us a message and we can do as we can to help you our dear listener out big thanks again to joey big thanks to everybody for listening to the show today my name is ben this has been off the podium and as always go left